Mel, Mel Gibson is a scary man. Like if I saw him <laughs> on the street, I would run the other direction. I'm like, oh no, he's going to call me sugar tits. <laughs> I got to get these sugar oh, tits out here. God. Hey y'all, welcome to week, fuck, is it six or five? Fuck. Six. <laughs> Do not edit that out. Just leave it in there. Episode six. It's episode six. Um, welcome to week six. <laughs> Some like it's scary. A weekly podcast where two pals share their respective love for rom-coms and horror movies. I'm your host, Kelly. And I'm Olivia. And this week, we are going to dive into two movies where Mel Gibson tries to be a good dad and isn't. So this week is Mel Gibson is a shitty dad week. Um, <laughs> uh, up at the top, uh, we we are very aware that Mel Gibson is a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, the, we're not really going to dwell on uh that we know that Mel Sugar Tits Gibson um, is a raging racist anti-Semitic man. Um, but these are two movies that were from kind of like the Mel Gibson heyday, right? Um, when Hollywood was trying to make us think that Mel Gibson was attractive and interesting. So, um, and both movies are very interesting in their genres um, and contain lots of like tropes and stuff like that. So yeah, we decided since, um, I am obsessed. I really love the movie Signs. Yeah, sure. I'm obsessed. Whatever. Uh, it's one of my favorite alien movies ever. And so, uh, yeah, um, we decided to pair it with What Women Want. So those are our two movies this week that we're going to talk about. Before, But before we get into the actual episode episode, um, we're going to um, chat a little bit about what have we just now watched. Um, I know that Olivia is frothing at the mouth to tell me about something that she watched. So what is it? <laughs> I watched the most recent Fast and Furious movie, Fast X, and I cannot stress to you how much it felt like a 13-year-old child wrote the script for this. It was both so long. And before anyone decides to reach out as a weird Fast and Furious stand. I have watched all of them, y'all. I've watched every single fucking one. I've watched Tokyo mm-hmm. Drift. I've watched Hobbs and Shaw. Do not mm-hmm. tell me that I just need to watch all of them. I've watched them all in order. Okay. Okay. She is part of the family already. Okay. She's there. <laughs> she's been there. I have the chain like Dom. Okay. I have the shit cross <laughs> chain. This movie was terrible. The only parts that were great were the parts that had Jason Momoa because he made me giggle every single line he had. There was a moment where he jumps off. <laughs> it makes me go thinking about it. He jumps off of like some type of like box or like a bunch of rocks or something where it's just like a couple feet down that he's going to jump. And he jumps in the air and kicks his leg out and throws his hands back. Like he's <laughs> experiencing such joy just doing that. And it cracked me up. So I guess if you're a big Jason Momoa fan, for sure, watch it. Um, But my God, it felt like watching both a Hallmark movie and a Lifetime movie and a poorly written porn (laughs) all together, (laughs) like dialogue wise. It was really bad. I just don't know how to stress that enough. Um, But yeah, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad I can (laughs) 
check that box that I've watched all of these movies. <laughs> I hope they don't make any more because like I can't I can't take it. I can't take another one. Um, so but yeah, wasn't it wasn't the tenth one split into two? Don't tell or was me this that. Part two? <laughs> or I, it just said Fast X. So I hope to God that it that that is it. <laughs> I'm going to Google it really fast. I thought that there were two parts. I might just be making this up. I'm, I might fully, be, is there a different one that there are two parts? Because honestly, there's even a scene where John Cena, as his character, decides that he just wants to, to just die. You know, he's like, don't bring me back into this franchise. Just kill my character off. Like he, is this, is there a part two? Is that why you're looking at me like that? <laughs> How? Yes. If you watch it, Tell me, someone tell me how there can be a part two to this because <laughs> the finality that, I, that should have been felt when you watch this movie. I'm stressed. So, <laughs> um, yeah, then Diesel said, quote, after this explosive summer, I will have the privilege of coming to you for part two in 2025. Naughty. Um, but yeah, it says part two. Oh my God. Okay. Empireonline.com. Part two will drive in on April 4th, 2025. Oh man. Oh God. Okay. Well, I guess we'll revisit it in a year and see what has happened. Like we just, we fully left reality a couple movies ago in terms of like what the human body can do and what vehicles can do. But in this movie, they mm -hmm. also were like, what if we just had some robots in there? Like, what if we just got really fucking wild with it and brought the back robots? people that fully, fully you watched perish in an earlier movie? What if we just brought them back to life too? What if we just did that? That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. Now I want to watch it just because I'm curious what that means. Um, Yeah, I'm a couple, I'm a couple uh fast movies behind so i okay okay the seventh one is the last one that paul walker was in right fast mm. seven i don't know because they kept they would they, they need to let that pervert rest because they keep bringing him back i know <laughs> like animation wise let that pervert rest in his grave okay and yeah. if you don't know what i'm talking about how paul walker's a pervert look it up we're not gonna talk Google about it on the podcast that's a whole other thing people have made videos about it but yeah really yeah, um, I, I think I still need to watch nine because I'm pretty sure I watched eight. I think because I think Fast Seven was the last one that uh, not a hologram Paul Walker was in. And then I think that eight was the next one that I watched. I don't think I've watched nine. I haven't watched X. And then I didn't watch Hobbs and Shaw. That one is gar I mean, they're all garbage, but the Hobbs and Shaw, especially that one feels weirdly erotic like they needed to just put their pelvises together it was ridiculous yeah. like the shit talking but also they were going to be like buddies at the end like you know what i mean it's all just like just fuck mm. this is ridiculous kind of, that's kind of like the second fast and the furious movie which in my opinion is like the gayest one um mm. with the yeah. one that has paul walker and his boyfriend in it and <laughs> they have so much fun together and yeah they're boyfriends are you, are you talking about I was like who are you talking about I think you're talking about Tyrese I am I am it's his okay. boyfriend it's his boyfriend so yeah. yeah that that one's my favorite one um I although of course uh Tokyo Drift is <laughs> is also right up there for me because that boy's accent is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life what was he doing and why did they have that 35 year old pretending to play a high school student <laughs> yeah with that yeah like you said with that weird hee-haw accent like he was like hey y'all anyways 
this mm-hmm. is not a podcast about Fast and Furious franchise, but yeah. I just watched that and I had to get that off my chest. It's it was a wild ride. What have uh what have you watched recently in the past few days or week? Um, last night I watched a movie called Take Back the Night. Um, and I fucking loved it. Um, it was really good. It's by, I think her name's Gia Elliott. Um, and it's about a woman who, uh, gets attacked by a monster, um, like literally like a monster, this like shadowy thing that attacks her. And it very much follows like the kind of reality that people have when they try to report sexual assault when they go through the whole hospital thing when they try to talk about it with people so it's very much about like the victim blaming and the gaslighting except there's an extra layer to it where she's also trying to convince everyone that a literal monster is after her and so it's really really good I liked it a lot I watched on Shutter, and um yeah I I just I thought it was really interesting and then um earlier uh, I watched, I rewatched a movie that Olivia and I have watched before, but I could not remember anything about it, um, which is Lyle, which is a movie by Stuart Thorndike, who also made the newer movie Bad Things, which I fucking loved, which is why I wanted to rewatch Lyle, because I was like, oh shit, I loved Bad Things, and I don't remember Lyle at all, um, because I have been working on a painting series uh, where each painting focuses on a director that I really admire, and it has like panels in the painting that are either scenes or references to the, the movies of theirs that I especially like. So I've already done one on Ari Aster and Jordan Peele, and then the one I'm working on now is for Julia Ducournau. Ducournau? Mm, she's French. Um, and <laughs> for her movies, Teton and Raw. And then, um, yeah, I think that the the next one I do might be either Stuart Thorndike or Karen Kasama. So anyways, I dived back into Lyle and it was fucking good, but both movies really stress me out. They're both really good, but they both also like evoke a lot of like fear around like gaslighting and stuff. Just like watching this character not be believed when like, you know what they're saying happened, happened. So anyways, uh, they were both uh, fun and stressful. So some very different vibes <laughs> we've had very recently different vibes. with our media. Very different vibes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I also I also watched. Um, I've been having a Spider Man marathon. Um, so I had never seen the Andrew Garfield Spider Mans. Um, and then I also have only seen the first Spider Man that has baby Spider Man Tom Holland. And so um, I. <laughs> he's baby um so I hadn't watched the other two of his and uh I also haven't seen the second one that has Miles Morales Spider-Man in it so there's it's it's like I've seen a lot of the Spider-Man movies but there's little bits and pieces and so I decided that I wanted to like complete that saga and so I rewatched earlier this week all of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies yum love them uh pillar of my childhood I love those movies the third one's stupid but I really I watched the first two a lot as a kid so re-watching those and then I rewatched, or I watched the Andrew Garfield ones both of them back to back yesterday or the day before something and um they were fine um and then uh yeah today I, I I'm diving back into the Tom Holland ones so so I did have some campy fun in there with the the Spider-Man's Spider-Man I've only seen the Tobey Maguire ones and I think probably the first two only that was my introduction to Willem Dafoe 
So you didn't get to see Tobey Maguire with his like emo bangs where he does a naughty dance at a jazz club. No, but I know it from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, but no. <laughs> yeah, no. So yeah, that's that's the that's, that's the stuff that we've been watching lately. Um, but for this week, we are going to be like I said, talking about two movies that I think both want us to think that Mel Sugar Tits Gibson is attractive. Um, so <laughs> you said that name twice now, as if that is his full government name. <laughs> I got his well, driver's license. That's what it says. <laughs> if he thinks it's appropriate to say that to a random woman, then I think it's appropriate to call him that. Um, and uh, if you don't know what that means, that's another thing that you can Google. Um, so first we're going to talk about what women want. So um, for me, I had watched this movie like a few times when I was younger. It's one of those that like it would come on TV a lot. So I think I had seen the beginning a lot more than the end. Um, but I definitely had watched it, you know, at least a few times. And my memory of it was that I absolutely loathe the movie and I was really dreading watching it. But I remembered it being a very tropey rom-com and very like of the time, like, you know, of like girls think like this and boys think like this and so that's why we knew we had to cover it um but yeah so I was really dreading this rewatch and that was kind of my only history was I had seen it wasn't a huge fan of it and that's it (laughs) what about you oh man I watched this movie a lot (laughs) both as a youth as an adult not because I think it's good but because you know you watch a movie from eight to 11 and somehow it becomes like a weird little pocket of your personality where you're like yeah I'm gonna hold on to that for a weirdly long amount of time you know what I mean or like you're gonna watch it even though you don't like it but it feels cozy when you have it on a little like it doesn't fit anymore like a sweater it's a little too small but you have too many memories attached to it so you keep wearing it um that's what what women want is to me it's familiar yeah. Um, and I said this to my partner when we were watching it. I feel like if you would have said in 2000 when this movie came out that you had slept with Mel Gibson, somebody would have been like, oh, my God. Today in 2024, if someone would have said, oh, my God, I slept with Mel Gibson, the person would have said, oh, my God. Like, it's the yeah. same response. But it evokes a very different emotion. These movies definitely were his um, heyday, like peak Mel Gibson. He was everywhere in the Mm -hmm. early 2000s. This movie came out in 2000, directed by Nancy Myers. She also, where one of the trivia bits I saw, I'm not going to go into all the trivia bits, but one of them I saw was that she has an uncredited writing. Uh, I guess she wasn't credited for helping write part of this movie. But she did at some point, she was asked to come in even before she was going to be the director. I don't know if that means she maybe like edited something or just added her thoughts. I don't know. But I thought that was interesting. Um, And the movie is about Nick Marshall, who's Mel Gibson's character, who is a marketing man. I don't know. He does something. You know, they do this in rom-coms, but a lot of just... 2000s movies in general you are working at an ad agency you're doing something in marketing mm-hmm. PR you're a writer or you're you like a magazine. you work in a magazine or you're like an attorney um something that like 
you carry a briefcase you know you almost have like a, a work uniform even if it's not a uniform um and so he does something with marketing and he kind of acts like he's in an episode of Mad Men which is funny because I've actually never seen the show Literally. but I get the vibe of it um the movie opens up with that weird montage of like his childhood where I guess he was made to out to be a misogynist from childhood. I think that all his childhood would have done to him is either made him a very empathetic adult or he would have just been gay. <laughs> like, yeah. What? Yeah. They were like, Oh no, he was around a lot of women who danced. Wow. No wonder he's such a chauvinist pig. It's like, um, Okay, I think that what might have done more damage was that weird quote that said something to the effect of that, like the only guy that his mom could like really wanted in her life, or like the only important guy in her life was always him. And I'm like, we yeah. will, we got <laughs> yeah. we got we got a hashtag boy mom here, boy mom capital B capital M. Uh oh. And then whenever they finish that montage and it like zooms out of the photograph of him at his little birthday party. And like all the showgirls have their tits out, which I'm like, they would do that at a child's birthday party, but they're panning out from this like eight by 10 photo of it. And the photo is hanging above his bed. He has a photo of him and his mom and all of his mom's coworkers at like his, I don't know, sixth birthday party hanging above his bed. Uh huh. And um, this movie is like, oh, he really fucks. And so, like, how many times is he fucking and looks up and sees this picture of him and his mom? Like, ew, ew, weird. So yeah, his um, upbringing story is weird. Um, but like, not. I don't think just weird for the reason the movie wants us to think it's weird. It's just weird that they're focusing on that and like the way they frame that I think it automatically just is just like oh so he saw women who are dancers so he thinks that like all women are sex objects and it's like um I think these are just women who had a job fucker yeah I feel like that's exactly the route that I would imagine adult him would have gone having that upbringing is he would have been like very (laughs) I hate that I'm saying this very pro-woman yeah yeah but instead he acts like it's it's like okay so which is it though are they sex objects or are they these asexual beings and you just thrust your sexuality upon them because they're they're all feelings and you're all sex which is it it's like (laughs) and also it seemed like they were all very nice to him they were walking up and giving him a little hug and giving him a kiss he was raised by a village okay yeah they were taking care of him yeah so like why yeah and that somehow means that he was insensitive to women did you notice how strange his apartment was? Like the the decor in there, not just hmm. furniture, but like stuff on the wall. No, I didn't even pay attention to that. I noticed in his apartment and also in Judy Greer's apartment, like I would love to know where they source some of the things. I did pay more attention to Judy Greer's apartment. I saw she had a framed photo that just said like India. So I'm like, maybe she travels or she wants to. And then I saw that she had like, her apartment looked cozier than his. I remember noting that. I think we were supposed to think her apartment was sad, but I thought it was cute. I thought it was cute too. And like both of their apartments had random, I guess, pieces of art that would be like a letter or a number Mm. just randomly placed about and so yeah um I 
would love to know what Mel Gibson's age was supposed to be, like what, how old Nick Marshall was supposed to be. Because I was, again, I don't know how old Mel Gibson is now, but I always associate him with being like 42. No clue how old he was at that time period. He might not have been that age at all. But He's to me, people he that, looks that old. Yeah, he was one of those people that looked 42 for a long time. Yeah, even when he was in Lethal Weapon, I was like, this man's in his 40s. He has to be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, there are so many people in this movie that I feel like we love. Sarah Paulson is in it. Loretta Devon is in it. They just mm-hmm. casually throw her in there. And I'm like, how are you going to mm-hmm. not have a bigger role for her? Um, Delta Burke is in it. Mm-hmm. Also from Designing Women. I loved the outfits for her. Um, we had Helen Hunt. We had yeah. um, Judy Greer. Mm-hmm. We had, what is that one actress? I don't remember her name, but she plays the mom in Mean Girls. She's on SNL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote um, that down. I ha- so for this movie, uh, my notes were a list that said yuck and a list that said like. Um, my list that said yuck, I ran a room and had to start writing on the top of the page where that gap is. And then my like section has three, six, 10 things. Um, one of those 10 things is that every woman in this movie is hot. Like so many gals that we love and they're all really hot. Oh my God. Uh, Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone in it is very hot. And again, I'm sure at the time people thought Mel Gibson was really hot, but watching it now, I'm like, sir, you are lucky that any of these women even talk to you, much less, especially Marissa Tomei's character, being obsessed with you after you finally have sex with each other. I'm just like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no. There's so many ways that I think this movie, you, you had to be there. You had to watch it when it was popular. You had to be <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the culture at that time. To be able to watch yeah. this because even if you tried to remake this and not in the way that again i have not watched what men want yet i'm gonna watch it i haven't watched it yet but i mean if you just redid what women want like nick marshall's character like the whole thing just take the script boop find another white man put it in it good to go i don't think this movie would make any sense to people now like like young no. people now um no. Because our idea of gender is just so much more expansive than that now. And so watching it the other day, like rewatching it, even though I've watched it dozens of times, it's just like, this is such a dumb fucking concept. Like this. Yeah. So dumb. And the way that, they, okay, I know we're going to talk about all, all the scenes, but you said that you ended up liking this or not hating this movie as much this this time around than before I felt the opposite normally I feel like it was like a warm sweater and this time it felt fucking not great and I don't know if it's because I fully paid attention to the whole movie for the first time in about a decade like start to finish but the ending with him and Helen Hunt just really chapped my ass like Mm -hmm. and then for it to just end like that it felt like there needed to be like another scene it both felt too long of a movie and yeah, like they just didn't finish it. I'm like, so well, yeah. if we didn't have to see that fucking scene of Mel Gibson dancing with a hat to that pervert song, fucking Frank Sinatra is a pedophile. Okay. And having to listen to that over and over again. Um, yeah. I don't think we needed the two minute long dance scene with him in that stupid hat that could have shaved some time off. 
the way that I feel like probably a lot of people of our generation, myself included, were like indoctrinated with fucking the era of Frank Sinatra and all that music from that movie, as well as the wedding date. It's just like, good Lord. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of like romantic movies from like the nineties and the early two thousands have that sound um, and have like Frank Sinatra or other musicians kind of like that. I also made a note at one point because I was getting really irritated speaking of Frank Sinatra. I, I, it was annoying. So like, so Nick was listening to Frank Sinatra, whatever. And then later, whenever you see Helen Hunt, uh, Darcy's character also listening to, um, Frank Sinatra while she's working and the way that he looks at her as if Frank Sinatra is some obscure artist and this is the most fascinating thing that he's ever seen it's I literally scream at the tv it's Frank Sinatra like we know who he is did the same thing whenever he's like peeking through her office and obviously I know we are not at all going <laughs> if you haven't watched what women want you're both getting spoilers and it's not gonna make any sense because we're just we're just vibing here but the way that he looked through that crack in her office door to be like, oh my God, this girl knows Frank Sinatra. It's like, bro, everyone knows Frank Sinatra. Like, He's not like other girls. She's listening to one of the most popular artists of all time. Like, what are you talking about? Frank Sinatra's all- music is still in shit. It was an Umbrella Academy. You know, it's like, it's still, yeah, people still, oh my God. And especially of, of the time, okay? This gal would have known who Frank Sinatra was. She has a fancy apartment and- she was like 35 in 2001. And so, yeah, she probably knows who Frank Sinatra is. That's what I was going to say. He's probably not used to interacting with women that are age appropriate for him Oh, bingo. in a romantic setting. And so he's just like, whoa, this gal knows stuff. And it's like, yeah, they all fucking know stuff, bro. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> date in your age range. What the fuck? Um, ugh, yes. So, so many thoughts rewatching this for like probably the hundredth time but and like if you haven't seen it basically just Mel Gibson works at an advertising place he has to he takes home a box of of lady things you know like wax and a wonder bra and nail polish and a hair dryer maybe the hair dryer was his I think I think the mousse was in there and then he used the hair dryer (laughs) Yeah. Um, but anyways, so it all culminates because he's trying to like put his mind like like if he was a lady, how the fuck can he sell lipstick? What if he was a lady? Because Helen Hunt gets hired as the new creative director. And so she's like, hey, like we need to actually be trying to market towards women. Women buy a lot of things. And so anyways, he ends up falling in a bathtub and fucking electrocuting himself after he gets drunk and dances to Frank Sinatra while he's wearing red nail polish. And um, he doesn't die. Instead, he can hear women's thoughts. And so he spends the rest of the movie using that to try to fuck women and take their ideas and be a good dad that's the whole basis of the romance between him and helen hunt Uh he would have never been attracted to helen hunt if he would have never been able to hear her thoughts but he was hearing her thoughts to steal all her ideas exactly and he even told her that he's like oh yeah in the very end he doesn't like admit like oh i had a supernatural power for a little bit because i got electrocuted um but he's just like you know i was trying to undercut you and steal your ideas but then in the process of doing that i got to learn about you and it's just like oh okay okay and so yeah he apparently had to he had to read women's thoughts to have feelings and um to be able to connect with women because as his daughter points out um he has never really had a real relationship with a woman like he was married before but she mentioned like i don't think nick ever even knew who i was like you know yeah and then at the end whenever he tells her all that and she's like well great since i'm your boss again because she thought she had lost her job 
Again, we're bouncing all over the timeline. Doesn't matter. Then she fires him. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I fully forgot about this. This is I great. forgot that. Yeah. She fires him. And then as he's walking down the stairs, she says that dumb line about like something about him needing to be rescued or whatever. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But then yeah. she says, you're going to let something like me firing you get in the way of what you want to do. And it's like, are you, what the fuck are is you happening? Still interested in him? He stole your ideas and got you fired essentially. And I don't think he got you rehired because he felt guilty. He just wanted to fuck you. And that was the other thing I was talking to my partner whenever I was watching it. And I was like, the thing I hate about this movie is that I feel like they wanted to communicate, oh, you know, like he's not very empathetic to women. And so it has fucked up his relationships. Um, And then, you know, through this, he's able to develop empathy for women and girls, you know, get closer to his daughter and like, you know, help a co-worker not kill herself and get a girlfriend um my god judy greer literally her character is just a the person who hands out the files and she's always thinking about killing herself and at the very end mel gibson's like oh i think i should check on this girl and i'm like oh my god (laughs) i'm surprised she's not already dead and so anyways um yeah but like so i think it's like they wanted us to think oh this helped him develop empathy for women no no, I don't think he actually, I don't think he would have felt bad about what he did to Helen Hunt if he wasn't attracted to her. Like, I don't think that he actually developed empathy for women. I think that he got more insecure and embarrassed because, you know, in, in the beginning, um, it seems like all of these women think he's so charming because he works with a lot of women. Um, I did, I, I, one of the things I like about the movie is that there are a lot of fucking women in it. There are way more women than men in this movie. It's basically a bunch of women, Mel Gibson and his shitty friend and his boss. That's pretty much it. And, um, anyways, so it's like, yeah, like I, so he, so he's like, he gets insecure and embarrassed because he realizes that almost every woman he interacts with hates him. (laughs) Um, except the, the door woman who wants to fully fuck him on the sidewalk. Like she, that part was funny because like, you know, he gets to feel like what it's like to be objectified, but she's literally thinking they're like, I would climb this man like a tree. Like it was so funny. It's hilarious because she also... (laughs) whenever she says that about like wanting to fuck Mel Gibson, she yells out and calls him Shaft. Mel Gibson does not look like Shaft. Yeah, he's like, mm, looking like Shaft, blah, blah, blah. Cause he's like reading her thoughts and he's like, what'd you say? And she's like, nothing, have a good day. And then she's like, mm, fine ass. And so it's like, she's like having all these like naughty thoughts about him. But yeah, I was like, um, no, I think he just looks like some old dude. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Like, he does not look like Shaft. And I don't think that Loretta Devine would feel that Mel Gibson is that hot, but whatever. That part, yeah, that was weird. But yeah, so like, it's definitely like, and like you were saying earlier about how this movie wouldn't make as much sense now. I think part of it too is that we are no longer in the men are from Mars, women are from Venus generation, right? Like, And that's a reference that I think a lot of people, I think that a lot of people like 25 and below don't even know what that means right like it was it was an iconic but dumb book called men are from mars women are from venus and it's very much that whole like men think this way and women think this way like so many people have that book i think my mom had that i know my mom had that book and i think she still has that book (laughs) and so you know it's it's like that kind of like thought of like well you know men are not like thoughtful and they just like want to fuck and they're not about feelings and then women have all of these feelings and I guess if they have feelings they also maybe sometimes want to fuck because like this movie does let women be horny Marissa Tomei could not be hornier 
But like, other than that, it definitely portrays women as being the ones who have the feelings and men as not the one who have the feelings, unless they're wanting to book. Yeah. It didn't go as hard for me as like when Harry met Sally, because that really felt <laughs> girls do this and boys do this. But yes, they go really hard about the tropes about women. I mean, even the point where he can listen to female dogs thoughts. Yeah, what was that? Which it's that? just like, okay, we get it. He can listen to women. Um but I kind of struggled with watching this go round. I don't know if it's just because I'm <laughs> I feel silly saying this, getting older, or if it's just time to retire this movie for me as like a cozy watch. Um, a cringy watch, but a cozy one at that because uh, by the I I checked a few times while I'm watching it to see how much was left in it. I did that too. You know, and so it definitely felt a little too long and I'm sure it's probably always been just a little too long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was too long. Um, so I just have to say one of the things that made me enraged the most in this movie, um, past just like the dumb gender stuff, there was something that kept happening that would make me fully shout every time it happened. And that was Mel Gibson flinging a fully lit, barely smoked cigarette anywhere he was. So multiple times in like the bathroom scene before he electrocutes himself. And then later, whenever he recreates it to electrocute himself to try again, to try to make (laughs) voices go away. Um, he like, um, he's in his bathroom and he's doing that thing, which I hate, which is he has a cigarette in his mouth and it's just dangling there, probably getting ash all over the fucking uh, bathroom sink while he's trying to put on mascara and he looks really stupid doing it. He, it's not that complicated. Like, why are you shoving it in your eye like that? Just put it on anyways. So he then just takes a cigarette and drops it on the counter. He doesn't put it out. He just drops it and his counter is covered in shit. He just drops it. And then later he does it again where he's smoking a cigarette. He just throws it across his apartment just multiple times in the movie. There's a fully lit cigarette that again, he's barely smoked any of. So it's like a big boy. It's going to be burning for a little bit. He just throws it. It's like, you've already been electrocuted. I'm surprised you haven't burned your apartment down. Yeah, and like I guess we're supposed to assume that he is wealthy to some extent. Do they not care yeah. once you reach a certain tax bracket if you're fully smoking cigarettes in your apartment? Because he's not he doesn't live in a house, he lives in an apartment. Yeah. And he's just constantly lighting one up. I get that it's two thousand, but still, like you said, you're gonna burn the building down. I guess the only thing is we don't know if he rents or owns his apartment. Oh. Cause you know, it's like, it's, it's New, it's New York city. And so, cause like Helen Hunt, she, she buys an apartment at one point in the movie, which by the way, had such a pretty bath, like a terrace in her room. I was like, this is such a fucking nice apartment. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't know, like, I guess there's a chance that he has bought the apartment. Um, but I, I don't know that for sure. Um, he also has like a housekeeper and all of that, which I hated, um, because he like, is basically sexually harassing her the first scene that he see we see with her like if they weren't doing the silly voices they were doing as they were talking it would have just sounded like he was like sexually harassing her um yeah. he just kept making really weird comments at her kept calling her babe at one point okay I looked down but I heard a slapping sound and she jumped backwards so I think he slapped her ass okay yeah okay so um and so, yeah, it, it, it felt really gross, um, especially because, you know, he's a white man and she was a Latina woman. And then he's like being really like gross towards her. And also what 
situation is this, that she shows up when you're still sleeping every morning. I mean, I'm not a rich person, but like, what? She shows up and wakes you up? Like, I don't know, that just feels weird. Like, I guess it's a good thing he doesn't sleep naked. Well, and she also said at one point in the beginning, I think that either it was almost nine o'clock or almost 10 o'clock. And it's like, bro, what time does the workday start? Well, yeah, because at one point, um, whenever we first see his office, when Sarah Paulson is like showing someone around, um, she was like, oh, don't worry, Nick never gets here before. She said either 10 or 1030. It isn't until Helen Hunt gets there, he has to get there earlier. Because at one point she's like, all right, we're going to meet tomorrow at 830 a.m. And it pans over to him. And I'm like, oh, boy, it looks like you're actually going to have to get up early today. Um, but then there's also that scene where they're still there at 10 o'clock. And I was like, y'all know, I hate that movie trope of people who are there like sun up to sundown. Cause I'm like, stop making it seem like your job is your whole thing. Like it is a job. Do you have a life outside of being the creative director at this marketing firm? Whatever. They do vague things with brands. Like it. <laughs> collages, which I loved her. Yeah. Her collage was pretty. Okay. I liked it. Yeah, I loved it for sure. I wrote on here that this movie reads like a horror movie. Like if you took out the soundtrack that they use and instead put in some kind of horror-esque soundtrack, this is a horror movie. It is a man being a menace around a city who can listen to all of women's thoughts and can do whatever he wants, essentially. Because that's what, at one point, when he's meeting with that therapist, Bette Midler, um, when he meets with her and she tells him that, essentially that like this is a gift this is not a curse you can do whatever you want with this why would you say that to him yeah why this is a horror movie and then for him to essentially seduce helen hunt by stealing her ideas like she became attracted to him because he had similar ideas to her spoiler Mm -hmm. because he was stealing them from her fucking brain like oh it is so (laughs) insidious if you don't think about it being a rom-com it's like how we talked about midsummer could be a (laughs) rom-com if you framed it differently and edited it different this read as a horror movie to me this go around yeah and like because not only is he taking people's thoughts he's like you know he's he he but like he's gaslighting everybody about it too you know like whenever like he's making it seem like all of it's his ideas that he's just really sensitive whatever um and so it's like yeah he's just he's just manipulating all of these women and it's like is he even going to be compatible with Helen Hunt because like you said she was into him because it seemed like they thought about things similarly and they had a lot in common but it's like okay but he's just like it reminded me of the sister in 27 dresses um where like you know uh Catherine Heigl's sister ends up like uh, breaking up with her fiance because he finds out that like everything he knew about her was what she she just said what he what like whatever he did right she pretended they had all the same interests and all the same opinions and all that kind of shit and afterwards he was just kind of like um had more of the appropriate reaction which was I don't think I actually know you and then they had time apart and then they come back together but like in this though she takes 30 seconds after they finish talking to be like well it's like you're fired but like aren't we still going to be together and it's like okay maybe if there had been more of a conversation like if they had had like they had actually talked about it or like had some time apart and then she was just kind of like all right like I fired you but like I think I'm also interested what does that bother you like can we not still like pursue something because like I, I did the right thing and fired you because you fucked up my job yeah but no 
they have the conversation. She has one tear that falls. She fires him. And then she's just like, oh, marry me. Honestly, that is kind of how it felt at the end where they were just like, and they're going to kiss here and that's it. Yeah. So it's just like, so everything's fine. They don't need to talk about anything afterwards. Like, how did you take my ideas? Because again, some of the ideas that he took from her, she never said aloud. Yeah. She would be, she'd be toiling away in her office all hours of the night while he's creeping outside with a fucking blues clues notebook, taking all of her ideas. And it's just like, this probably fucked up my brain and a lot of other children's brains with like the idea that this was cool this was like an okay thing that someone does you know being deceptive is okay as long as you're doing it with romantic intentions and it's like what the hell or if it turns romantic because then it's like oh well it worked out because now they're together and it's like but they're together because of the deception yeah mm. yeah and I think even the way that they frame in the beginning um you could see that you as an audience member might be framed to be sympathetic towards him, that he didn't get the job that he wanted and that like Helen Hunt came in and just took it. But honestly, it's just him being a a fucking baby about not getting a job because you are not the market demographic anymore. Like just, just do your job. Like you still are wealthy. I'm assuming, you know, you still have a good job. You still can come in whenever the fuck you want. Why do you want to be, the boss to have to come in earlier and stay later it's yeah. it's so strange it's just like we talked about it's like in horror movies when someone's trying to kill their spouse and it's like so you want to be a single parent mm-hmm. <laughs> like are you prepared for that responsibility after you kill said spouse like you know what i mean come on mel gibson mm-hmm. after you take helen hunt's job are you prepared to be the creative director no yeah. i don't think you want to do that you can't be dancing to frank sinatra in your panties in your apartment as a creative director yeah. And look how resistant he was to just trying to expand the demographic that he was marketing to. And by the way, I had a problem with that section. Okay. I had a problem with that section because I actually know a little bit about women's purchasing power and women have been the primary purchasers of their household since this was how we bought things. Like Mm -hmm. since like the forties or forties, like women have always been the primary like purchasers and shoppers, which is why (laughs) um, successful uh, movements where um, like boycott movements have often been led by women and geared towards women um, because, you know, women, especially like wives and mothers have been primary, you know, like they have been the primary demographic of people who are buying things. And so I found that really annoying where they were like, oh, it's 2000 now. Women buy more things. And it's like, that's fucking stupid. Um, women have been doing that. And wh- where'd you get your research from? Okay. Well, You're they- making it seem like women, it's it's like, well, I will, I will give you women couldn't have their own bank accounts till 1973, I think is the year. Um, but the <laughs> They were still the ones who were in, who were, who, who made a lot of the decisions about what got purchased and when. I feel like considering they were like boozing it up in the, in the morning at work in this movie, they Mm -hmm. probably weren't doing the best research on (laughs) who's buying what, when. I would agree with that. Um, So uh, as I joked about in the beginning of the episode that both of these movies involve Mel Gibson trying to be a good dad, but not being okay. So he sucks. His character is a terrible dad. 
he's a terrible dad. He gets so fired up about his daughter wearing spaghetti straps. It is wild. I did love the dress try on scene because, you know, you and I both love a good like try on montage scene. Okay. They're delightful. Okay. Dopamine straight to my veins. Um, I liked a lot of the dresses she tried on very fun. Um, but like he got so weird every time she was wearing a strapless or a spaghetti strap dress. And I was just like, fucking hashtag triggered from the dress codes that we had growing up or like you couldn't mm-hmm. have spaghetti straps you have to have like two like three fingers you have to have a three finger whip strap um and uh anyways it was just so annoying because like again it just shows how he sees all women even girls as sexual objects yeah and he views being a dad and being a parent as just enforcing weird gender roles on his kid because like she said she's like you haven't parented for 15 years what are you suddenly doing yeah because because we're forced to spend two weeks together because my mom's gotten remarried and is on her honeymoon which i would argue that kid seemed perfectly fine to be able to be home by themselves i understand she's a child all those things but also in the context it's 2000 by that age i was seven or eight i had stayed home by myself not for a fucking two week stretch by any means but right but like doesn't the mom have like family friends that can come check in on her or something at her house where all of her things are um you couldn't have fucking gotten married after this kid was not in school like seriously during the summer maybe yeah over the summer um yeah what do i know whatever we don't have kids whatever Whatever. um but i do know we'd be better parents than mel gibson in this movie because he was phoning it in at best yes again if he was not able to hear thoughts he would not have i'm not even going to say change as a parent because i don't know if he would have changed long term as a parent or if it's because he had thoughts constantly in his face he could not you know ignore it and pretend that, oh, all the women coworkers I have love me. They think I'm charming. Oh, I have such a great relationship with my daughter. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. But it's now in your face and you can't ignore it. But once you don't have to have it in your face anymore, are you just going to go back to what you were doing before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me think so. I will say I was, I was pro Nick Marshall slash Mel Gibson. And one scene in particular with his daughter, and it was when he found out that his 15-year-old was dating a full adult man who was 18. I do not care Uh, that they went to the same school. Don't care. Don't care. He rightfully so, whenever that man rolled up in his bathroom, like, how are you going to roll up in your dad's bathroom with your man boyfriend and then act weird that your dad's being weird about this adult man being in his bathroom with his 15-year-old kid. Yes, Mel Gibson was a, was a shit dad in this movie. Don't get me wrong. But that was a proper response for him to be like, uh, he's how old? Like, what's going on here? Does your mom know about this? Um, I definitely agreed with Mel Gibson on that stance. For sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I also thought uh, Nick was, Nick was right to be outraged because yeah, not only did he see how obviously much older this boy was than his daughter. um, But then whenever he goes to leave, he turns and just kisses her right on the mouth feet from Nick and like, no, absolutely. Like, no, 
weird. And then whenever he catches them, like making out on the couch, like, yeah, he overreacted a little bit, like as far as like, you know, kind of hollering and it's like, that can make your daughter uncomfortable. Um, but then when the guy was like, Hey, you should just chill out. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to fucking kill you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That like, is you, the gall that this man had to be like, Hey, I'm 18 and was, you know, grabbing your 15 year old's tits on your couch, but you should probably chill out. And it's like, um, no, actually I won't chill out and get out of my house or I'm going to yeah. push you up. Yeah. Don't you have colleges to apply for? You fucking pedo. Seriously. So strange. So I fully was in agreement with the, all the interactions that he had. And I hate that it pulled at my heartstrings the way that it did when he shows up at the prom and is in the bathroom with her but honestly at the end whenever they go to leave together I'll be damned if I was gonna walk out of that prom with my dad we would have sat in that bathroom until they locked the fucking building up like or like go out separately or something (laughs) yeah I'm not walking out after everyone there has probably seen me go in sobbing to then walk out with my dad who has yeah. probably caused a kerfuffle coming in to try and find me. No, mm-mm. no, thank you. I live here now. I live in this bathroom <laughs> in this fancy hotel room. Um, I don't know what the budget was for that school district, but that prom looked expensive. It was not yeah. in a high school gym. That's for sure. I also wrote down what is with like the, the trope in the movie of a high school prom being at a hotel. Like, do you want these kids to get pregnant? Why the fuck would you have a high school prom at a hotel? Yeah, I fully thought that that's what was going to be happening when I got to high. Like watching this as a kid, I was like, oh, this is this is what prom is. Oh, shit. And then I get to prom and I'm like, this is in our fucking cafeteria. Yeah, like sound off if you had a prom that was off site, that was not at your school. Mine was also in the cafeteria. Let us know if you had a prom that was not in your gym, your cafeteria, somewhere on your high school campus, because like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And are you wealthy? Because I feel like that's got to be connected. It's got to be. There were a couple of things that I liked. um, Because like I had mentioned to you, like off mic before we started, I do think it is clear that women helped write this movie and that it has a female director. Because the women, other than some scenes here and there, like you said, the ending with Helen Hunt, where it was like, it felt like there needed to be a lot more there. um, That there would have been a lot more of a reaction. But other than that, like, I feel like in a lot of the scenes, the women felt like real women, like whenever Helen Hunt, when they were at dinner and she was talking about like working with her ex-husband and like, um, how insecure he got. And she said, quote, the better I did, the worse we did. And I really liked that line. Um, I liked that she fucking fired him. I liked that we got to see like her feel a little bit of that, um, uh, imposter syndrome when she started that new job. And even like Nick's character at the end admits like you earned that job and you worked harder than me to get that job. And so like, we know that she's qualified for this job, but she's also a person and she felt a little insecure. Um, there were a lot of women that worked there, um, that had different personalities. Um, the women characters that I didn't like, um, were the two assistant gals who I guess the joke is that they don't have thoughts. Yeah. Because he never can read their thoughts when he tries to, nothing's there. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like that probably is the joke. And I watched it this go around as them just practicing the ultimate way of like having boundaries. You know what I mean? Where they're just like, (laughs) no, 
No, yeah. I'm at work and I'm going to just do my work shit. And then when I'm not at work is when I get to be me. You don't get to have me when I'm at work. Yeah, they actually, <laughs> but yeah, the secret is that they know he's trying to get in their head and they're yes. keeping them out. <laughs> yes, they too have been electrocuted by falling drunk into the bathtub and they know the secret. Um, they're on to him. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who gets electrocuted, you have a 60% chance of being able to read minds after um of the opposite sex apparently um I also thought there were a couple of really funny lines like quote I'm as gay as it gets um what am I doing she's not in the refrigerator (laughs) when he's wandering around and then he opens his yeah um and then whatever I'm a loser I I did like the line where he says, truth is, I'm the one who needs rescued here. Whatever. It got Shut me. I liked up. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. I wrote didn't. it down. I wrote it down. <laughs> oh, God. I hate that. I definitely felt <laughs> ick in my belly when he said that. Because it was just like, you took all my ideas. Who? What are you talking about? You need to be rescued. You kicked me off the horse that I was on to come rescue you. And now you're saying that you need to be rescued. You hindered the rescuing. <laughs> but- I guess the, the reason I liked it was because he talked about how like I came here thinking I was going to like rescue you. Cause he like, you know, explained to his boss that like, she should not be fired, that she really is the source of like all the good ideas for the big Nike account or whatever. Um, but he, you know, he admitted like, Oh, it's because I was after I, yeah and after he had said all his like his whole thing and he was just like oh yeah it's actually like I I liked that because I felt like he was acknowledging that like he was the fuck up and needed help um it was not her duty to have to help him I'm glad she fired him but uh yeah unfortunately um that line I was like oh so whatever I felt shame for it but I admitted it because I'm brave yes you are (laughs) such brave um no I definitely have some moments where <laughs> Mel Gibson did some just weird shit and it made me giggle so yeah. you know there were definitely some moments the comedic timing made me giggle especially just like you said the scenes where he's by himself like he does those scenes well <laughs> yeah definitely and I just also kept reminding myself it's not like you know Mel Sugar Tits Gibson came up with those lines right it was written by writers yeah. <laughs> and um it you know had iconic rom-com director Nancy Myers and so um you know I definitely think that that shows and so I'm just giving props to the writers that they had they had some zingers in there they had some some lines that I thought were really funny um yeah and that was it on the things that I uh, liked okay are you ready for my trivia behind the scenes hot, oh, hot gosh now, this is according to IMDb. We switched it up this time. I didn't look for a good housekeeping article. So <laughs> I also did not look at all to see if these are accurate or not. So take these what you will. Um, apparently, the Nike representatives in the scene where he's pitching the running advertisement to them, those are real Nike ad reps. Those aren't actresses. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I was like, okay, not sure why we need that, but that's fun. Fun little, fun little fact. Sure. Apparently, Mel Gibson actually waxes his legs in the scene in the bathroom, and he didn't think that it hurt that bad. Oh, well, there seems to be a range on that. Some people are like, it's not that bad. Other people are like, holy shit. And I just, I think it has to do with people's pain tolerance and like the how sensitive your skin is. Um, I wouldn't know. I've never fucking waxed south of my face. So I had my eyebrows waxed once when I was a kid. 
Um, and so I, I had it done once and that was it. I have waxed my pussy once, but not professionally. <laughs> And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that's you know, a, that's you, a different podcast. <laughs> you were doing your best. Yeah. Um, so yes, apparently he actually waxed his legs for the scene. This was the first movie to mention the website eBay. It was founded in 1995. Oh, so it was just like hot off the press. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, you know, the, the scene where he's with the therapist, I guess. That's the first big movie. Or maybe it's the first movie ever to mention the website, which is so strange to think yeah. about. This film was originally supposed to be titled Head Games, and it was pitched to have Tim Allen as the star. <laughs> that would have read even stranger than Mel Gibson. Can you imagine watching this 24 years after it came out, but it's Tim Allen instead? No, I'm not watching Santa Claus read women's minds. <laughs> Why don't you come over here and sit on Santa's lap? <laughs> Sicko. Oh, okay. There's an early transition scene in the beginning of the movie that's an aerial shot of the camera panning over the Chicago skyline. And it is the same footage used in the opening credits for the sitcom Family Matters, which I did not notice that. But now I'm going to have to go back and look because that's hilarious. This is that trivia piece I was saying earlier in the episode. Nancy Myers was hired to rewrite the script, but was uncredited before she was asked to direct it. She said, quote, I got to say a lot about what I was going through in my life. There are speeches and nuances that were pretty much what was going on with me. I spent mm-hmm. six months on it and I didn't keep a lot of what was in there. Oh. So it's interesting. I would be very interested to see what got taken out. Yeah. Because maybe there was context to things that we feel are lacking in this movie. Or maybe it was even worse. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That is very true. I didn't think yeah, about there, there is a possibility that this is the better version of what was there. Mm, that's true. And this is. Uh, <laughs> the best the best version this movie had three oscar winners in it and three oscar nominees in it so mel gibson helen hunt and marissa tomei have all won oscars before and alan alda who plays mel gibson's boss valerie perrine which i think might have been the blonde assistant of okay. nicks i think that's who that is and then bet midler are all oscar nominees so that's pretty cool there were a lot of people in this movie yeah there were a lot of people um this is kind of funny i just thought this was a weird maybe coincidental thing so the patriot also came out in 2000 and one of the boys that plays one of mel gibson's sons in the patriot plays young nick marshall in what women want (laughs) oh so that's fascinating that's so cute to me to imagine that like they're going from these two very different sets and are just being like <laughs> hey there <laughs> and seeing each other so funny <laughs> um the last big piece that i think is interesting from this list is the opening music of the film is the sammy davis jr version of the song something's gotta give which is the next film release that nancy myers directs the movie something's gotta give which stars diane keaton and jack nicholson and so she put I, the little Easter egg in there. I love that. And I love that movie. It's been so long since I've seen it that I feel that I am mushing the plot of that movie with three other movies. Like I need to go back and revisit it. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't movies. say an opinion on it. 
It was one of those movies that came on E! all the time. And I've seen that movie so many times. I love it. I love when Diane Keaton is dramatically crying and she's she's just wailing in her apartment. Um. <laughs> well, I love her in First Wives Club because that's what she does for a good chunk of the movie is just wails. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yes. Do you have any other thoughts about this movie or any other trivia bits you want to share before we give it our rating? I don't think so. I do feel that I need to look up how old Mel Gibson is currently, which is what I'm doing at the moment because I need to know. He is 68 years old. Huh. Huh. Okay. So, so... This came out 24 years ago. Did it come out in 2000? Yeah, so he would have been 42. That's literally how old wow. you said this year. Wow. You're a fucking genius. I am a fucking genius. Wow. Well, that um, is interesting. Also, I know that you can see this through the screen, but people can't that are listening. Just Google Mel Gibson and hopefully you get this haunting photo of him with a big burly beard it's like a salt and pepper beard oh i hate there you go gibson. he looks scary <laughs> he looks like a con I mean, man gibson is a scary man like if i saw him <laughs> on the street i would run the other direction i'm like oh no he's gonna call me sugar tits <laughs> <laughs> i gotta get these sugar oh. tits out of here God. Um, oh what yeah. i feel like i feel like we now need to change and we haven't said what our title is for the ranking of this movie but i feel like it now needs to be sugar tits because you said it so many times let's do it <laughs> okay what is your i was gonna say what is our ranking system for this movie but it is now clearly sugar tits so yeah. out, out of, of five, five sugar tits what how do you rank this movie i'm gonna give it a two i'm gonna give it a two just because there are a lot of funny gals in here there are a lot of funny lines in this i like i said i am not giving any credit to mel gibson okay this is not a pro mel gibson episode okay (laughs) um but i i think that there are some funny scenes in it i like um i like the whole section where he realizes how many women fucking hate him um no uh, one and a half no one and a half I'm gonna go one and a half sugar tits I'm gonna go one and a half um not a full set I don't think that it deserves a full set so a sugar tit and a half is where I think I'm gonna land what about you Uh, well I'm gonna give him the full set I think that the nostalgia factory really tips it over for me to make it too if you would have asked me this before I rewatched it the other day I probably would have said three and a half or four but this go around it really read more like a horror movie and it I didn't feel cozy anymore watching it (laughs) I think if you if because I also put into my ranking when I'm thinking about it the rewatchability of it or like the recommendation value to I could recommend this movie to someone if they were wanting something cringy to watch or something that's not at all going to I guess scare you depending on your definition of being scared so yeah I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two sugar tits out of five I don't know if I will be rewatching it anytime soon but it I've watched it so many times at this point that I don't think I could say that I'll never watch it again 
Yeah, I don't think it's impossible that I will watch it again. <laughs> and it's funny that you said that yours would have been higher because like we've already said, I really, I thought I was going to hate this movie a lot more. I didn't expect to laugh as many times as I did. And I even like texted Olivia after, like I was almost done watching it. And I texted her and I was like, honestly, I'm getting annoyed at like me not hating this movie as much as I thought I would. Uh, but yeah, I think that going into this movie, I probably would have assumed it would have gotten maybe a half a sugar tit, okay? Not even a whole tit. And uh, yeah, I watched it and I was like, huh, well, God damn it. Okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So my memory, um, I think, went a little harder um, and didn't remember some of the funnier parts. So yeah, that is what women want. Women want uh, Mel Gibson to be electrocuted so he can read our thoughts and manipulate us with them. I know we're about to pivot to signs, but him getting electrocuted two times in 48 hours on top of that weird shower of electricity he had come down on him at, in front of Judy Greer's apartment. Why was that when it stopped? It didn't <laughs> get electrocuted. There were just like sparks and he's like, huh, anyways. He would have been unwell physically getting electrocuted two times in two days and he's just bopping to work. He's fucking Marissa Tomei. He's getting coffee. Like, <laughs> anyways, I know we're, we got to switch to signs, but he was that drinking just is so ridiculous. He was yes. also drinking so much because like, you know, like whenever you get like a head injury, they don't exactly recommend that you go drink an entire bottle of wine in the next day. Yeah. And like this man just like would not stop drinking. Um. Yes. Okay. So in what women want mel gibson gets to hear all of your thoughts and in signs he can't because they are wearing tinfoil hats so <laughs> in signs which whenever we were making our list i knew signs had to go on there it's um definitely one of my favorite like sci-fi horror movies from my childhood I watched it a lot and um yeah it's just still it's still a movie that um I really enjoy watching I love the score um I love a lot of things about it and um it's probably let me think yeah, it's definitely my favorite of the M. Night Shyamalan movies. And um, yeah, so I was really excited to rewatch this. Uh, so yeah, I definitely had a big history with this movie. I was quoting the movie the whole time. Um, and I just, yeah, I've always really loved this movie. I think it has such good suspense. And I think there are also scenes that are really funny. Um, I think that um, this is one of M. Night Shyamalan's best movies, especially in terms of like the dialogue. I just think the dialogue is so funny in this. Um, but anyways, so that's my history with the movie. I have always loved it and I couldn't wait to rewatch it the other day. <laughs> what is your history with it? Okay, so funny story. I really thought before I watched this the other day that I had watched this. I know that I've watched other M. Night Shyamalan movies. I've watched Sixth Sense. I've watched The Village. Really thought I had watched this. I think what happened is that I have watched so much of different media that shows clips of this movie and other people have talked about this movie and things like I love the 2000s and I love the 90s and like all you know what I mean like those types of roundup clip shows I think I've watched so many of those that I have pieced together what I thought was the plot of this movie I've never seen this movie because watching this the other day I was like what is happening I knew probably 10% of the movie I knew the basic overview there were definitely scenes that I have seen before but I had not watched this all the way through. So I really had no, um, 
nothing going into it. The I will say the other movies of his that I've watched, The Sixth Sense scared the piss out of me as a kid. I watched it once as a kid, did not, was way too young to watch it anyway when I watched it. It scared the piss out of me. Um, the Village also scared me until I, until you find out the twist and then I'm just mad. Like I just couldn't even fucking <laughs> really get into it the rest of the movie. So that was honestly my only, yeah, that was my first time mm-hmm. watching it. Have you seen The Visit? You've watched that, right? Oh, gross. I forgot about that. Yes, <laughs> when I watched that fucking foul-ass <laughs> movie together. Ick. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so um, let's see which... Okay, so yeah, I've seen The Sixth Sense. Obviously, that is a good movie. Um, I watched the like Unbreakable trilogy, so Unbreakable, Split, and then Glass. I thought Unbreakable was pretty good. I didn't like the other two. Um, and then, yeah, obviously watched The Village. I watched that by myself when I was a kid, and the same thing. I remember finding it so scary, and then the ending, I was like, well, what a fucking waste of my time. Um, yeah. I will never watch that movie again. It's so fucking annoying. I think I've watched it maybe twice in my whole life. Um, and then I did watch lady in the water and remember nothing about that that was one of his first big flops um because look this man has range okay he has made very well uh received acclaimed films and he's made the happening right where mark Wahlberg goes wow or no i'm sorry he goes um he goes oh my god you've got him confused with owen wilson (laughs) and he goes oh no wait what oh my god (gasps) No. And he just does that the whole movie. It's that movie where all the plans are making people kill themselves as uh, Zoe Deschanel in it too. Yes. Yeah. um, I, that movie is honestly pretty funny, um, but it's really bad. And then, um, yeah, I, I did like the visit. That one scene is foul and I was very upset about it. But other than that, really liked that movie. And then more recently, um, the most recent one of his that I've watched is Knock at the Cabin, um, which I thought was really, really good. So I didn't watch that movie old because I know part of the plot and it's weird and gross. So I'm not going to watch that movie. Yeah. And you told me about that plot and I was like, I'm good. Yeah, so I think that I think that he's a really interesting director and writer, and I think that some of his stuff is really compelling, um, especially when he focuses on things like family dynamics, grief, hope, stuff like that. I think that um, he has some cool stuff, and honestly, I like that he has some flops. It's pretty, it's it's pretty funny. His flops are really funny, um, especially <laughs> the happening. So, but Signs is not a flop. Um, I guess some people might not like it, but well, that's not me. So Signs came out in 2002. It was written, produced, and directed by Inlay Shyamalan, and it was also produced by uh, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, and Sam Mercer. I thought it was really interesting. So I thought that Kathleen Kennedy's name was familiar, and I looked her up. She is like one of the most prominent like female film producers. So some notable things that she produced, E.T., Jurassic Park, um, uh, she's a big Spielberg collaborator. She's also the president of Lucasfilm. So she has oversaw like all of like the newer Star Wars stuff, the shows, like she's really, really prominent. And um, and then apparently Sam Mercer is a frequent collaborator with M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know if the Marshall Kennedy team continue to be big collaborators. I can't remember. Um, and then another collaborator that I wanted to highlight here is James Newton Howard, who did the score of this film. This score is good. Okay. I love this score so much. (laughs) I am a score whore, if you will. I love listening to a good film score. And I think this one is so, so, so good. 
and yeah, I, um, I only have a few little pieces of trivia, so I'll save those. But um, if you haven't seen Signs, pause and go watch it, because what? Um, but basically, <laughs> Signs is a movie that follows a family, including um, Mel Gibson, who is was an Episcopal priest. I thought he was a Catholic priest. I forgot Catholic priests can't get married. And so whenever I was looking at the stuff, I was like, oh, he's Episcopal. And my partner was like, yeah, he was married. And I was like, oh, right. So that's why they keep switching between. OK, because I wrote that in my notes. I was like, is he a fucking Catholic? Is he a reverend? Like, what is he? Because he's, they said yeah. he was a reverend. But then they also all called him father. And I'm like, listen. Yeah, it's because he's Episcopal. I know. I thought because he had the I thought because he had the little the little collar with the little white part and the you know the little collar. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's Catholic. I look like I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. The Catholic yeah. wizards. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> yeah. thought because they were saying father that I was like, oh, so he's a he's a priest, but then they were like, he's like, I'm not a reverend anymore. And it's like, oh, so are you a reverend? <laughs> yeah, it's like, were you ever one? <laughs> also, yeah, lol so. that he's a priest in this and then to do Passion of the Christ later uh-huh interesting pathway mel it is an interesting pathway isn't it <laughs> um yeah so um he was an episcopal priest um until six months ago his wife was tragically killed hit by a car um in night Shyamalan killed her and um so <laughs> So anyways, he is raising his two kids, um, Bo and Morgan, and his brother, Joaquin Phoenix, who plays Meryl. Oh, I didn't say Mel Gibson's character's name. It's it's Graham, right? Okay. I went to say that and I was like, is that wrong? Hmm. Um, but anyways, and then his brother, Meryl, um, also lives there. And so, yeah, um, we have two daddies and they're cute little babies and, um, I, I just have to say off the top, like from the top that I am obsessed with Bo. She's so cute. And honestly, like when I was a kid, I related to her character a lot. Um, I also, so like literally like there are probably like five water glasses sitting around my house that I've taken a few sips of and then been like, "Mm, this tastes dirty. There's dust in it. Like all the different times that she's like, it's contaminated. I can't drink this anymore. She's autistic. Just get her a new glass of water. Oh yeah. And so I think that she's a little autistic baby. I love when she's like wearing jeans and a princess dress and she's just like hopping around. It's like, I want spaghetti. And I'm like, I love you. And so, um, so she's really cute. And she also has haunting dreams that come true. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, so basically the movie is about this family who lives on a scary corn farm in Pennsylvania. Corn farms are scary. Corn fields are scary. Um, <laughs> movies have taught me that those are places of danger and death. <laughs> um, but anyways, so they, um, I like that it's one of those movies that gets right into it, you know, like the, it, it just like, boom, it just starts. Um, but they have uh, crop c- circles that pop up. And then afterwards, more strange occurrences happen because it's aliens. And um, yeah, so they are trying to, uh, for a while, um, as we said already, Mel Gibson tries to be a good dad, but fails in both movies. So uh, Graham sucks and doesn't listen to anybody. And he's like the last to believe that it's really alien and it's obviously aliens um and so once they all figure out that it is for sure aliens um Meryl and the kids and Graham all have to try to you know fight to survive um 
So yeah, uh, the movie starts out with like the crop circle being there. And, you know, this movie came out in 2002. Um, and the, you know, the kind of like crop circle and like UFO kind of crazes, um, those like, like periods of time where people were saying they were seeing a lot of stuff, you know, that started happening a few decades before. Um, so yeah, I definitely feel like that when this movie came out, it was particularly scary because I feel like we were still kind of emerging from that period of like knowing people who were like, Oh, I know someone who said he looked up or like, you know, I saw something on TV the other day about a crop circle or whatever. And so not that there aren't still people now who are just like aliens, like it's, you know, <laughs> that has happened many times in the last couple of years. <laughs> when you were a youth, a young, a young person, did you go to, um, what, oh shit what they even call it it was essentially a fucking cornfield but uh you know be like it'd be fall you go with your friends like a corn maze yeah i'm sure somebody's getting finger banged in the corn maze you know what i mean like that that whole scene did you ever go to those as a kid they stressed me out i would go but i it's just like going to an escape room i don't want to do that i don't want to be put in a scenario where my nervous system is going to misinterpret what's happening and I'm gonna like get in fight or flight mode I don't need that (laughs) and that's kind of how I felt the whole time watching this movie but also it is a movie made 20 years ago and so I think some of the unfortunately the animation mixed with the way that televisions have progressed of like the technology it took some of the scare factor out for me because you could see, you could see things that you probably couldn't have seen watching it, even on like a really nice television 20 years ago. So that kind of sucked for me of like, this was a really scary scene. And then it got to it versus like in Nope, whenever it did the like creepy scenes where like something's like creeping in the corner, Mm -hmm. it's, it's was genuinely creepy because it didn't look fake. You know what I mean? And so I don't think that's a, that's not a con to signs. I don't besmirch <laughs> if not Shyamalan or signs as a movie because of that. It's just, I noticed it when I was watching it as this being the first time, just being like, oh man, that really did kind of creep me out. But now that I can see like the creature, whatever the aliens out of the shadows, it looks kind of silly, <laughs> but it, yeah, I was, I was genuinely good. creeped out a few times for sure. Yeah, I think that it probably does help that I have like, it's like sentimentality, but like it's, it's, it's for the scenes that are scary. I don't know. It's like, because it was scary when you were a kid, then like when you go to watch it, it's like you, you're just like, oh, this is going to be the scary part. Um, But yeah, it, there were definitely parts that my partner like laughed uh, at the parts that were supposed to be scary. And um, yeah, it's one of those where like, I think that it could have been a lot worse. I think one of the things that the movie does well or like that it helped it over time is that there are several scenes where you don't get to see them directly. Like you see a reflection or you just kind of barely see them. And so I think that that helps because like, you know, if they don't show you the full monster, you know, your imagination can make up the rest, right? Yes. But then when you finally see them head on at the end, you're like, oh, this is a bit blurry. This is a bit like, it, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, the scene where there, where uh, Graham is at, is it Ray? The guy, M. Night Shyamalan's character. Okay. When yeah, he's right. at Ray's house and 
the alien is locked in the pantry and it reaches under the pantry and its fingers go like, like peel up like that. Oh, see that really creeped me out. So I agree. I kind of wish that you wouldn't have ever seen it straight on because I think that those, those parts of it did age really well. Cause I was creeped out by it, but then, yeah, once you saw it straight on and watching it on a newer television, it was, it was a little foolish. Like I, I can't yeah. lie. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, but I did like the suspense, suspenseness, suspensefulness, <laughs> the level of suspense in this movie was really fun. I did find myself giggling quite a few times in it. Some of the the lines were pretty funny. Yeah. I did like that. Um, and it didn't, it didn't scar me the way that I feel like the sixth sense scarred me as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like this movie, if I would have watched it as a kid, would have creeped me out as much compared to some of his other movies. Even The Village, too, kind of creeped me out. This one was more just like a, again, I sound real silly saying this, a good old-fashioned alien movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree that some of the lines are really funny. There's definitely some good dialogue. Um, Some of my favorite parts are like... um, I don't remember if she says there's a monster or there's an alien. She says something, but Bo says something to the effect of like, there's a monster outside my window. Can I have a glass of water? Mm-hmm. And just the way Abigail Breslin delivers her lines, it's just so funny. And then um, Joaquin Phoenix is hilarious as Meryl. Um, there are several scenes where like physical, like his physicality is really funny. Mm-hmm. Like he really nails his scenes. I love the scene when him and Graham are running around the house and Graham, like, because, you know, he, you know, he, he's like a, he used to be a priest. And so it's like, he's like, I have to curse. And, you know, Meryl's like, yeah, you need to curse, like act like, you know, unhinged out there. Like you, we need to, cause they, you know, they thought that it was like these like local boys that were just trying to scare them. Um, these local hooligans, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's like running around and you know he says something like he's like you know insane with rage or something like that and like so it's just it's it's really funny like you know trying to listen to him sound like intense or scary um and then afterwards he's like I cursed and I was like yeah I heard um Yeah, I also, I think the um, chemistry, uh, especially between Bo and Morgan, was really sweet. Um, I really liked the little, like, brother-sister duo that they had. Um, Oh, my God. I also love the scene where Graham is in the pharmacy because it's that one actress that's from fucking Girl. Or, no, sorry, uh, uh, New Girl. Mm -hmm. And I I never noticed that that was her before because I haven't watched Signs in a hot minute. And, um... Yeah, it was fucking her. And she was just like, um, is this a curse? Is this a curse? And she, hilarious. So yeah, it was definitely funny every time someone's like, um, father, can I talk to you? And he's like, oh my God, that's not my job anymore. Yeah, that's not my name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the scene where they're all at the dinner table having that, I guess, last meal. Um, sure also, know. how do you have all the ingredients for all those different meals? But not the point That's what I said like are these did they just know that those were going to be the meals for the next week or so like yeah I don't understand how they just happen to have all those ingredients but the scene where they all start to cry and then they all hug each other it oh even if you weren't uh invested in the movie didn't like it whatever seeing that many people crying at once it makes you start to tear up 
Yeah, it's a good scene. It's performed really well. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching it. I was like, I'm about to start crying about Mel fucking Gibson right now. (laughs) But it was good. Um, I agree though. I really liked the kids' characters. I thought they did a really good job. Joaquin Phoenix is such a weirdo and everything, and I love it. Like he plays different types of weirdos, but he always plays a weirdo. I love him. Yeah, it doesn't matter what he's in. I'm always just like, hmm, it's a little weird you know <laughs> mm-hmm. uh i would love to see how he would read a rom-com oh my god yeah because like i've seen him in um romantic adjacent roles same so like i watched him in her which is a romance same. but it's a it's a sad one yeah it's a weird one so like i've seen him a little bit in like some romance stuff and what was that one weird movie we watched where I think he was like a teacher, like a professor and like was like having an affair. Oh, yeah. Him. And it ended up not being, it wasn't even, I feel like we thought it was going to be like a sexy movie and then it wasn't. Yeah, I don't think it was. We're going to have to look that up. We are. But yeah, so like, I, yeah, I feel like I've mostly seen him in stuff where, yeah, I don't get to see him be like cute and romantic or whatever. Yeah, I did like his dynamic with the kids I also felt like he was not really on the ball with watching them the scene where fucking Morgan stabs the damn dog and he's walking out with like chips and dip and Graham is like where have you been and he's like what do you mean it's like what do you mean what I mean these kids are young are you here to help me raise them or not (laughs) how long were you in there fuck yeah so strange very strange um and Mel Gibson again is a shitty dad in this one even with being able to use the but i'm a widow card (laughs) yeah like the scenes where he lashes out at them like whenever he yells at Bo at the dinner table yeah or whenever um he thinks morgan is um dead outside and Bo leans forward he's like don't touch him and i was just like oh my god like your your daughter thinks that her brother is dead and just lost her mother six months ago don't fucking yell at her like not that it's not like authentic to how this fucking dad might react but like definitely he was ignoring his kids a lot there were some scenes where I thought were cute like um that did feel like him being a little bit on the ball like whenever he's out there with the cop and they're talking about the crop circle and then he stops and goes I can't hear my children and like that part I felt like was like kind of like it was a scene that gives you dread because you're like even if you don't have a, a kid like if you have babysat kids if you've had siblings like you know what that feeling is of like oh I can't fucking hear them what's happening yeah and so like there were definitely parts where like you can tell he's invested as a dad it's not like he's like some absent dad like he is in um what women want but it's like he has so much that he's trying to process and he's just pushing it all down you know he won't talk about the mom with the kids like you know stuff like that like he just he quit the church he has kind of you know retreated a little bit from his life and I will say to that um so I generally don't like movies that focus on stuff like faith or lost faith or like even things that are very religious adjacent, even some like uh, possession movies get to like <laughs> Christian-y for me. Um, a lot of that just not for me, but I feel like that M. Night Shyamalan does a good job of when he's talking about like things, I feel like he makes it universal enough. Like this wasn't a movie about like a man needing to be Christian again so that like the plot can resolve. It was about yeah. a man whose specific, whatever his specific faith is, and him having faith in the world and having like hope 
was what had been damaged, you know? And I felt like that was like a universal enough thing that it didn't feel like weird. <laughs> Agreed. I agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some of my, like, when I remember watching it as like a kid, some of the parts that scared me the most were definitely the hand coming like under the door. That one definitely got me. Um, whenever, um, it, whenever, um, they're in the cellar or like the basement or whatever, and you realize that the hand was like right there on Morgan and it like moves. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Um, and then the part, okay. It looks kind of silly now, again, like you said, like this came out 20 years ago. Um, but the part where, uh, Meryl's watching the TV and the alien walks out from the trees. Cause you realize that you were looking at it. It mm-hmm. just was being still. And when it moves like, Oh, I also probably jumped back just like he did. Um, so yeah, scenes like that. Um, also the baby monitor s- stuff scared the shit out of me because not yet when this movie came out, but my brother was born in 2004. And like I said, I watched this movie a lot as a kid and my brother's monitor made all kinds of weird fucking sounds and would pick up all kinds of weird shit. And so like that kind of stuff was scary. Like the idea of like trying to figure out, are these normal sounds? Am I hearing something like the, the, the part of the movie where they're questioning what they're hearing and seeing, I feel like has good suspense. Agreed. Um, I haven't seen the movie that Walking Phoenix references in signs whenever he says it's like the world of worlds i haven't seen that movie have you seen it um i have not i don't know if there's like an old one um, yeah i haven't seen the tom cruise one <laughs> 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 which i know like i don't even think it had come out yet uh when this movie came out but no i didn't see i haven't seen like the og one and i haven't read the book but i know of the story yeah, yeah i haven't either um but I'm writing down in my notes to be like, hmm, maybe I'll watch it just because he references it multiple times in it. But overall, I, for being my first time and not having any type of nostalgia factor attached to it, I liked it. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I don't think that was the point of it, but I had a fun time. There were definitely, there were parts where I was like, I don't know where we're going with this. I did feel like it was a little too long just like with what women want. I don't know if it's because I was just worn out of Mel Gibson at that point. It yeah. just needed a break from him, but I did feel like it was just a smidge too long. Yeah. I felt like, especially like the scenes when they were in town, like some of that could have been cut and there apparently already were three scenes that had been cut, which I'll mention in a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do think that the the movie did lag a little bit in some spots. So like I was saying earlier, I'm so obsessed with Bo's character. I just think she's so fucking funny and it just like fills my heart with joy. Like every scene that she was in, I just thought was hilarious. And like, she's definitely one of those actresses that was like a staple of like movies for us. Like when we were kids. Agreed. And it's funny now watching, cause she's probably our age, maybe a year or two younger, older, give or take, I don't know. But yeah. now watching her and things as adult. I feel like I also enjoy watching her as an adult, but now watching her in that being so young, it, (laughs) I felt like I was, when someone's like showing you photos of their kid being like, look how cute my kid is. And you're like, yeah, that's really cute. Like this character was cute, but I've seen her in so many things now that I've like mushed 
the idea, I guess it's probably what so many child actors have to deal with. My idea of who Abigail <laughs> Breslin is, is like a mixture of little kid and like adult her. And so when I saw her as a kid the whole time, I was just like, you're like 30 years old now. This is so strange. Um, yeah. I think I felt that way more with Morgan because um, Rory Culkin fucking yum I have a big crush on Rory Culkin he's hot he's my favorite Culkin um and so um he was in Scream 4 oh my god is he the one with that with that long hair yeah Mm. (laughs) I don't know we might have to revisit that next time we hang out let's watch Scream 4 because I need to just look at it again yes it's one of the ones I hate and guilty yeah um yes okay yes so yeah I think that Rory Culkin is young um so yes re- remembering that like you know he was once a child and because I, I don't always remember like that that is him um like I don't always make the connection with which Culkin he is and like which roles I saw him in as a kid um and so yeah whenever I was watching this I was like is that one which one is that and I was like oh right and so yeah for me it was I think weirder seeing him as a baby um because oh god damn it my cat (laughs) god um she was like rubbing her face on all my paintings like please stop it um Anyways, so yeah, and then I mean, honestly, even Joaquin Phoenix, um, it's been a while since I've seen one of his younger roles, and I mean, the most recent thing I watched him in was Bo is Afraid, which uh, is such a different character. I, you have to watch this movie one day. Like we it's have on our list. I think it's on our list. Yeah, I think it's on our list. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I think I keep forgetting that we're <laughs> on the list. Um, did we put it with? we put it with monster-in-law i bet we did (laughs) it's all all about that mommy trauma um yeah anyways yeah that's a word for it spoiler episode spoiler oh it's okay if you've watched the trailer you know it's about mommy trauma um i know i'm in our episode oh yes well yeah that'll that'll give you that'll give you a glimpse ahead that at one point we're gonna cover Bo is Afraid yes Um, and so that is the movie we have paired it together as Monster-in-Law just checked our list okay perfect um but yeah this was this was like young hot Joaquin Phoenix I'm not saying he's not still an attractive man um uh, but like yeah this was like uh Joaquin Phoenix and then when he's got that bat, I'm like, oh yeah, hit it. Yes, but overall, like I said, I really I liked it. I uh, for being my first time and assuming that it was going to really scare the shit out of me, I'm glad it didn't do that. There were some moments that I jump scared for sure, but it did not feel like it was going to haunt me like his other ones did when I was yeah. younger. I I did like it and I thought the dialogue was both silly and at times pretty good. Yeah. I also could not watch I know I texted you when I when we when I was watching it, but I could not see the woman who plays the cop in it and not think of her character from Divine Secrets of Yaya Sisterhood. The as soon as she walked on the screen, I was like, holy shit. And that's all I could think of the entire time she was talking. So there there definitely were moments where I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, but I thought she did a really good job as well. And and their scenes together, like the the flashback where his wife is dying. 
Yeah, that part's hard where she's like, do you understand what I've said? This is, this yeah. is going to, whenever he's like, is this the last time I'm going to talk to my wife? And she's like, yes, it is. And I was like, Ugh! so yeah. sad. It's so upsetting. Um, yeah, I also thought that her, her parts were really good. She was really funny. And I like that, like back and forth she had with Joaquin Phoenix's character about whether or not the person who jumped really high could be a woman. <laughs> And he just keeps coming back to it. And then finally he's like, hey, I'm sorry about that comment that I made about the, the Olympic comment that I made. And it's just like, bro, we have moved on. <laughs> yeah, like we're not talking about that anymore. Yeah, I did like that scene. Because uh, I feel like he was, he was giving back to her just as much as she was, you know what I mean? Like whenever she says yeah. the comment of, I don't appreciate your tone or whatever she says to him. It's like, I was literally matching your energy. Like you're, right. you started this. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I do think there were some, some fun lols in the movie yeah what uh oh no you go (laughs) i was just gonna say and whenever graham comes in and he looks and all three of them are wearing their little their little foil hats oh that was pretty cute he was like all right because you know he he doesn't he doesn't really believe like he he keeps denying that this is what is happening until he Mm -hmm. sees the the alien at um uh ray's place and that scene where Ray is trying to like kind of apologize, acknowledge it to Graham, that part was rough because I understood why Ray wanted to do that. And at the same time, like Graham's like, nope, we can't do this. We can't do this. And I'm like, yeah. bro, you can't just roll up on me and be like, sorry, I killed your wife. It's like, dude, it's, oh, we can't just, you can't just spring that conversation on me. But um, I did love the line where he's like, um, don't open my pantry. I caught one of, or I, I trapped one of them in there and like just those little lines that get dropped in the movie like that similarly to like the line I said earlier about Bo where she's like there's something outside my window can I have a glass of water like there are just some lines that are just kind of chilling and I thought that was one of them but yeah it's um it's definitely one of those movies that when I was a kid was really scary but as an adult it's more just like a sentimental factor for me um and I yeah I love watching it I definitely laugh more than anything whenever I watch it like you said it's a fun movie even if it wasn't intended to be um yeah what were you going to ask a second ago uh I was going to ask about our ranking system but I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to add to it oh I do have a couple little trivia things oh yes the trivia trivia (laughs) um it's from the hot uh, goss that hot goss um it's from uh wikipedia and imdb trivia and okay so um first of all i thought it was interesting that um originally Meryl was supposed to be played by Mark Ruffalo. So Mark Ruffalo and Rory Culkin had been in a movie together really recent, like right before that. And M. Night Shyamalan saw their performance and was like, that's who I want for Morgan and Meryl. But apparently Mark Ruffalo had to back out at the last minute because he had a tumor behind his ear that had to be removed. Uh, I feel like I've watched a lot of interviews with Mark Ruffalo. I have such a crush on him. Um, (laughs) And he's hot. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, he apparently it was benign, uh, but he he had to have surgery to have it removed. And so I think it said a week before filming started, they replaced him with Joaquin Phoenix. Damn. Um, so they called him and they're like, get down here. Hope you're ready to, to swing this bat. <laughs> and so um, apparently Mel Gibson also was not the first choice for Graham. Um, that character was initially supposed to be an older character and they approached, um, I don't remember who the first one was. Ron Newman, was he still alive? I don't know. Uh, is that a person's name? 
Ron Newman? Paul Newman? Yes, that's who Okay. it is. <laughs> Ron. <laughs> I didn't write this one down, so I'm just remembering it. Parts of it. Um, he he said he wasn't interested. Uh, M.I. Shaman asked Clint Eastwood, and he was like, I'm busy. And then they somehow settled on Mel Gibson. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, it said that that uh, Paul Newman had uh, didn't have interest and that Clint Eastwood had scheduling conflicts. <laughs> so according to Wikipedia. Um, and then, yeah, they ended, up, they ended up going with Mel Gibson. Um, okay, this part was also, this I just think is... it's just kind of a funny thing about the way that things are rated. So this movie has a PG 13 rating, um, but a change had to be made last minute to help that stay PG 13. It was um, at, at risk of being given an R rating, which I guess M. Night Shyamalan didn't want, which I can understand. I mean, this was a movie that like I watched with my parents who watched a lot of horror movies. I definitely think this is a scary movie that like a younger audience can watch. And so um, anyways, he didn't want it to have an R rating. And so he changed the sounds that the aliens make. Apparently their sounds before sounded quote unquote demonic. So I guess they sounded a lot scarier and it was going to be given an R rating for terror. Yeah. And like, just, it, it, it's scary. And so um, he changed the sounds um, to, I guess, be less horrifying i still think they're pretty creepy Yeah, they're still pretty creepy. they whenever they make those popping sounds they sound like dolphins and you know how scared i am of dolphins so i'm like that's Yeah. scary to me and then they, that awful like feedback sound that kind of sounds like a scream and like a like a tech feedback sound i'm like ah my ears hurt i don't like it Yeah, they kind of made that clicking sound almost too, like in the descent, which really creeped me out. We were fresh off the heels of that. So they started making all those noises and I was like, ooh. that's true um scary uh that was it those are my uh, well I guess one more thing is that apparently my Shyamalan's are really into Pennsylvania so this was shot um That's where at... he's from. <laughs> yeah I can tell <laughs> because this was shot um on location at a, a few places in Pennsylvania and then um I found out that in my Shyamalan is a like season holder whatever of the Philadelphia 70 something 76ers 79ers <laughs> whatever sports so he's super into their sports and then he also has this like giant ass mansion and then he recently bought another giant mansion like a few years ago from the Rockefeller family uh whoever's left of them the descendants of the Rockefeller <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that no one's like after the Rockefeller family I just mean the descendant of the Rockefeller and yeah he bought like I think it was like a 200 something million dollar estate also in Pennsylvania fascinating so yeah he owns a fuck ton of land in Pennsylvania and that's also where this film was shot so yeah um it kind of reminds me how Stephen King he loves to have a movie movies up in like the the like northeast you know like Maine and like shit like that and so a lot of his stories take place there I don't know if he's also from there if he's just really into that setting um but yeah and so in this case um in my Shyamalan he's like Pennsylvania gonna get gonna get referenced in this property for sure <laughs> said everyone's gonna know bucks county I know I should I should google what other properties of his take place in Pennsylvania I wonder if they're in the woods of Pennsylvania in the village they might <laughs> be or where the family lives in the visit anyways I might give it a goog and just see yeah if it's one of those things where like he has a bunch of stories that take place in Pennsylvania or if this was the one that he's like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I'm gonna film right here at home y'all um 
so yeah, those are my little trivia facts. Um, other than that, there, there really wasn't that much. Um, but yeah, uh, for our rating system, um, it is going to be out of five partially drank glasses of water, which is what saves the day. Oh, that was one more thing I wanted to talk about. I like the kind of meant to be kind of shit that's in this, right? Kind of like with like nope and stuff like that, because um, there's like similar, you can really tell like the ways in which nope, because like, you know, we talked about in that episode about the different inspirations, whether it's like the thing or signs, uh, ET, different movies that are very clear um, references and inspirations, not really references, like inspirations for the kind of movie that nope was. Um, you can really see some of these other movies as being foundational for that movie. And in Signs, I think one of those things is the idea of like, a, like something being meant to be, but that not being good, right? Like whenever Graham's wife is dying, she was just like, it, 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 it was going to happen. Like it was just such a random thing to happen. And um, she said something about how like it was, it was just like meant to be, which is like a bummer. Um, but it's something that she says. And then they just talk about different moments where it's like, is it a miracle or is it a coincidence? Um, and yeah, so we know that like Bo always has these little glasses of water. And as it turns out, that's what kills these bitches is water, which is the, which is my partner's least favorite thing about this movie and why he doesn't really like, he, he said that he had a better time than he expected watching it, but it is something that infuriates him every time he watches it. He's like, why would this species come to a planet that is mostly water if that's what kills them? And I was like, maybe they hadn't encountered water before, like, you know, uh, like on like their planet. Cause it makes me think of like alien movies where it's like, don't touch whatever fucking liquids and shit are on this planet because you don't know if it's going to be like acid for your skin. And so I was like, maybe they just didn't know. Okay. Um, but uh <laughs> Like defending these not real aliens. Yeah, defending um, in Matt choices. I know, right? <laughs> um, for, for this movie, anyway, and uh, yeah, so like it ends up being meant to be that Meryl had his bat like up on the wall, and that um, you know, uh, I keep forgetting Graham's name. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting Gibson. Um, but that uh, you know, Graham's wife had said like as she died, was her name Emily? maybe I can't remember what her name was with horror tropes look he has a fridged wife okay he has a dead wife it's part of who his character is I don't remember her name um and so anyways whenever um she's about to die you know she she mentions that um Meryl needs to swing away and so it's those kind of final words that um help them end up being able to survive and then another thing Morgan has asthma which of course you know if you've watched movies, you know, if a character has asthma, it's going to be part of their story. It's such a weird trope in movies where like, if a kid has asthma, it's going, especially if it's a horror movie, if they mention they have asthma, looking at you, hereditary, it's going to be a big deal. Someone make sure these kids have their inhalers. Wow. (laughs) I know in my girl, he doesn't technically die because he has asthma. But his lungs close up, and that's the other Colkin. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. interesting. It's all connected. It's all connected. Um, I have the tinfoil hat on now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I watched something recently. I don't even think it was something I watched. I feel like I listened to a Bechtelcast episode sometime in the last few months where Caitlin, one of the hosts, had commented that they appreciated that a character it was mentioned that they had asthma but it wasn't like a weird part of their character where like oh no they're gonna have an asthma attack and almost die or something because it's like yeah 
people with asthma aren't just almost dying all the time. <laughs> like, oh my God, a lot of people have asthma. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so uh, yeah, so, but because he has asthma and because they didn't have his inhaler, um, his lungs were uh, closed enough that the, the poison gas that comes out of like their hand or their wrist or whatever didn't kill him. And so just all of these kind of like, you know, meant to be, meant to be, meant to be kind of things where it's kind of like with Nope, where just because it all lines up and feels like maybe it's not a coincidence, that doesn't mean it's necessarily a good, that they're all good things, but everything like leads to the next thing. So anyways, I like that kind of shit in movies. I think it's interesting. And so I do like how it all, it all comes together. I did hate that he suddenly is a priest again. Yeah. Just because it was like, why because wouldn't you have been pushed things. further into oh yeah because the alien <laughs> like, <thing. laughs> if, a, if an alien literally broke into my house had my kid scooped up sprayed some weird shit out of their wrist my kid oh. then didn't die i think my brain would be like oh no so there really is no absolutely no god like this is all just a fucking yeah because like did god chaos <laughs> yeah did God, God know all only, of this was going to happen? Yeah. Or is, or is God just like for art, for earth? Yeah. Why this? did God save my son and not my wife? Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's, that's definitely true where it's like, okay, but there's like literally like extraterrestrials, like things that aren't from here. Is yeah. that explained in, in your ideology? Although my partner did point, cause he had the same question at the end. He's like, okay, so you saw aliens and now you believe in God. Um, and exactly. Uh, yeah. And then he, and then I was like, yeah. So we were talking about it. And then he's like, oh, well there are the, I don't remember what he called them, but like, I don't know, like space Christians or whatever. Oh, where the Christian they, scientists or whatever. Maybe where like, <laughs> it might be those. Who knows? They think of God as more of like this, like, um, like, uh, like chemically, like that it's like, you know, made of like, that it's like this thing made of like carbon and other stuff. And that being made in his image means that we're just made of the same things, that it's not like a thing with thoughts, but it's just like the, the source of everything, whatever i'm probably only remembering parts of what he says whenever people talk to me about um like monotheistic religion and their little rules and stuff my brain just turns off i wasn't raised religiously so it's just not for me i'm just like okay whatever i also you know i, I don't remember lots of things like that but anyways um so yeah perhaps perhaps in some ideologies you'd be like oh it all comes together um but i don't i don't think that's the case for episcopalians yeah i don't uh if anyone <laughs> is an Epis- if there's an episcopalian listening right now can you let us know what are your thoughts on on yeah. signs and aliens in general because yeah, if, I- if, if you knew for sure that aliens existed would that challenge or believe in god or would that confirm it yeah and why couldn't Honestly. they just had the last scene at the end that like maybe like he prays at the table now or he lets his kids yeah, pray. Exactly, we don't need earlier, to go full priest again we don't need you yeah because earlier he got mad because they were like i think that we should pray yes. before we they were scared he's like we're not gonna pray and i'm like good god like <laughs> yeah. i wasn't i wasn't raised religious but i think you're you're doing harm now to your kid okay if they yeah. just want to pray for their food let them fucking pray god. but uh but yeah so yeah that, that could have been a great thing at the end um yeah he's like reading the bible or having a prayer or something i don't um, know 
he like hangs a cross back up in the in like the hallway or some shit I don't know yeah I guess he didn't have to be a priest but also because at one point in the movie my partner was like people need to leave him alone he is not the priest anymore I was like look I'm not trying to say that uh he has to keep being the priest but I am curious how many other priests are there in this town <laughs> is everyone following him because there isn't anyone else that is yeah. the kind of religion where like you give where like the, the, you 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 say all the things what is it called um uh, uh you like confess your confession um because you know not all religions are like that you don't just go up to a baptist preacher and be like i have to confess they'd be like whoa <laughs> like, no um, thank you yeah, yeah but anyways so i was just like honestly like are there other priests how many churches are there here because i think there's one cop and apparently there's only one vet and it's ray which is why they didn't want to take their dog why why graham didn't want to take the dog to the vet when one of the dogs was being weird he's like i'm gonna call the doctor and they're like why not the vet and it's like well because there's only one vet and they killed your mom. So, um, <laughs> so we're not going to go there, but yeah, I was like, this town seems to have just like one pharmacist and it's this weird girl who's upset about cursing. There's one cop, <laughs> there's one vet. And I was like, Oh no, yeah. is he the one priest? And everyone's like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Our <laughs> priests, our priests stop. Like maybe that's why they're all so upset about it. <laughs> Is they're like there's literally not another one <laughs> yeah it's like we're all gonna go to hell because you won't continue to be a priest <laughs> yeah who are we supposed to confess to it's like oh my god just talk to jesus or whatever like oh yeah so anyways getting back to our rating <laughs> um i think that i now have said everything i wanted to say um so out of five glasses of partially drank water um you go first what is your rating I'm gonna go again with a two um and it's not that I didn't like the movie I think that if I would have watched it as a kid I probably would have ranked it higher watching it for the first time as an adult and again watching it now (laughs) on today's technology and and all the and and also seeing other in my Shyamalan movies I think that there are other ones that I probably would recommend if someone's like I want something like kind of creepy and I want to watch one of his movies I probably would not recommend signs but it is fun like I would watch it again for sure um if someone was like hey what's a Mel Gibson movie you'd recommend like signs signs is one that I would recommend yeah. And of course, if hopefully, you wanted to, no one asks you that question. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think there's ever going to be a setting where someone's like, "Hey, do you have a really good Mel Gibson recommendation?" If I just watch one of them, which <laughs> one should it be? Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, I would just say too, because I feel like compared to other movies we've watched so far, there are other ones that I would happily rewatch, even if they did scare me way more. Yeah. What about you? I feel like I already know the answer to this, but what's your ranking? Okay. So I also, part of my rating has to do with rewatchability and it is a bummer that one of the four main characters is Sugar Tits Gibson. Um, It, it for sure is a bummer. Um, So I think I'm going to go 4.5 out of five. Um, if there wasn't that bummer, I probably would give it a full five because it is my favorite of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. It's one of my favorite alien movies. Um, it's really up there with some of my other faves. And, you know, as I said a million times, the sentimentality. I just really love this movie and I loved it a lot as a kid. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to go four and a half out of five glasses of partially drank water. 
Um, I, yeah, I think that this movie is really fun. I have no idea how many times I've watched it. And um, yeah, like the music, um, the way the different, um, like the chemistry between the characters in the family, especially uh, Meryl and the kids, I really enjoy. And um, yeah, I agree. Some of like the effects don't hold up great. The, the scenes that have practical effects do hold up well, but the scenes that have like the very new CGI, mm-hmm. not great. Um, not like new, new, it wasn't totally new, but like, you know, they were using what was uh, great at the time <laughs> and not as great in 2024. So yeah, I would give it four and a half out of five. Love it. Yeah. Also, if you hear a squeaking in this episode, it's my dog. <laughs> we I have any squeaking. Okay. <laughs> She's been doing it for the last like 45 seconds. You've been talking. <laughs> That's okay. My cat has been in here for like half of this episode and she just keeps standing behind me and being like, Meow. I'm like, oh my God. So I don't know how many yeah. meows are going to be in here. Uh, but you're welcome for every single one of them. Yeah. Um, so to be lucky. <laughs> You're lucky to hear my sweet little girl. Um, so that was Mel Gibson uh, trying and failing at being a good dad week. And um, so for next week, we're going to be <laughs> talking about two movies that um, Olivia has actually not seen, which will be fun. And they are, let's see, I've seen one of them. So our horror movie is going to be It Follows. And the rom-com is Sleeping with Other People. Yes. And so um, this episode is going to ask the question. um, Oh, my God. Willow is so. (laughs) So we'll be talking about those two movies in our next episode titled Is Sex Dangerous? So join us next week uh, whenever we dive into It Follows, which was a movie that had a lot of conversation around it when it came out and for about a year or so after. Um, There's still a lot to say about the movie, but it was definitely one that had a lot of different interpretations when it came out, um, a lot of like mixed feelings about it. And then um, our other movie, neither of us have seen. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and that was um episode six of some like it's scary and we'll see you next week bye